This episode of Awards Chatter is brought to you by Universal Television, presenting Girls 5 Eva. Girls 5 Eva follows a one-hit wonder 90s girl group who attempts a comeback while hilariously navigating family and relationships, plus the joys and pains of middle age. The show stars Sarah Bareilles, Renee Elise Goldsbury, Paula Pell, and Busy Phillips. Don't miss the series critics call the funniest show on television. Girls 5 Eva is now streaming on Netflix and is for your Emmy consideration for Outstanding Comedy Series and all other eligible categories. Hi everyone and thank you for tuning in to the 474th episode of Awards Chatter, the Hollywood Reporter's Awards podcast. I'm the host, Scott Feinberg, THR's Executive Editor of Awards Coverage, and my guest today is a filmmaker from India whose consistent track record of massive critical and commercial success in Telugu language cinema might lead one to call him the James Cameron of Tollywood. Described by The New Yorker as an artist of distinctive temperament and talent, by The New York Times as a filmmaker with a knack for maximalist action and imaginative set pieces, many of which are built around dynamic special effects and choreography, and by the Los Angeles Times as a master of spectacle and one of his country's preeminent powerhouse filmmakers, he is the winner of three National Film Awards, India's equivalent of Oscars, and is the highest paid director in India. Not least because three of his films are among the five highest grossing in the history of Indian cinema, each of which, when made, was also the most expensive Indian film ever. 2015's Bahubali The Beginning, 2017's Bahubali 2 The Conclusion, and 2022's RRR. I'm talking, of course, about S.S. Rajamuli. RRR, Rajamuli's 12th feature, is a period piece musical action romantic thriller that is his biggest international success yet. On a budget of $72 million, it has raked in $175 million from box offices around the world, making it the third highest grossing film of all time in India and the fourth highest grossing Indian film around the world. And it has reached untold numbers of additional people via Netflix, resulting in the likes of the Russo brothers, James Gunn, Sam Raimi, and Jason Blum becoming vocal fans of the film and its show-stopping Natu Natu song and dance number. U.S.-based awards groups have also embraced it to a greater extent than any other Indian film ever. The National Board of Review chose it as one of 2022's top 10 films. The Los Angeles Film Critics awarded it Best Music Slash Score while the New York Film Critics Circle selected Rajamouli as the year's Best Director. The film was nominated for the Best Foreign Language Film and Best Original Song Golden Globe Awards, winning the latter, and the Critics' Choice Association nominated it for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Foreign Language Film, and Best Original Song Critics' Choice Awards, the latter two of which it won. With RRR now poised to make a dent in the Oscar nominations, too, not in the Best International Feature category, for which India shockingly passed it over, but quite possibly in the categories of Best Original Song, for which Natu Natu is among 15 finalists, and perhaps Best Director and Best Picture, too, I thought that now was as good a time as ever to sit down with Rajamuli and discuss his, and his film's, remarkable journey. Over the course of a conversation at the Ross House in Mount Olympus, while a screening of RRR was taking place in an adjacent screening room, the 49-year-old and I discussed what it was like for him growing up in a family of filmmakers who experienced sizable ups and downs, 
how he broke into the business and made a name for himself, not least by making films that were able to transcend India's different regions, languages, and cultures. Why, after making the highest grossing film in India of all time, Bahubali 2, The Conclusion, when he could have done just about anything, he next wanted to make a film that would pair two of India's biggest stars in the roles of two of India's biggest heroes in RRR, and what he has made of the film's best international feature Oscar snub at home and tremendous reception abroad, plus much more. And so, without further ado, let's go to that conversation. Mr. Rajamuli, thank you so much for doing the podcast. Honored to have you and uh, lucky to catch you while you're in L.A. I know you're not here that often. Um, thank you. It's, it's, it's my pleasure thank on you. your show. Well, can we begin on this show? We always start just want to ask our guests, where were you born and raised and what did your parents do for a living? Uh, I was born in India, yes. um, you know, in a state called Karnataka. Mm-hmm. My, it's a joint family. So my father and his brothers uh, migrated from Andhra, their native place, to Karnataka, where they were doing uh, uh, agriculture. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I was born there. My mother is a housewife. Yes. And quite a few members of your family have worked in the film business. Can yes. you just tell us tell us who some of them are, what they've done, how that influenced you? Um, I mean, almost everyone in my family is into uh, into has something to do with the films. Uh, starting with my father, he's a, a story writer. Yes. He's been in the industry for almost forty years now, um, and uh, I became a director. Yes, um, my cousin. I mean, like I told you, we are a joint family, yes. so we refer them to as brothers, not yes, cousins. Sure. So my uh, elder brother, M.M. Kirwani, is a music director. He on all of your he, films. All right? my films. Yeah. He is a, a music director and he won the Golden Globe. Yes, for, for so Martin wonderful. Martin. Yeah. I, I can't be more happy than yes. that. And uh, his wife, uh, M.M. Srivalli, yeah. is, is my line producer. Mm-hmm. My wife, Rama, is a costume designer. Uh, for my films. My son is again a line producer for my films. Uh, my uh, M.M. Kirwani's son, Kal Bhairava, is a singer who sang for Natu Natu. Yes. One of the lead voices for Natu Natu. I have so many uh, uh, family members that I forget. My, yeah. I myself forget. My yes. another cousin, uh, Kanchi. Yes. Uh, my father, my cousin Kanchi mm-hmm. and myself are the story team. Yes. We work on the uh, story. What a talented family. Amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Um, So when you were a kid, what sorts of movies were you exposed to? Did you did you enjoy, you know, were you seeing primarily Telugu language films or were you also seeing English language films and just very curious. Uh, Telugu language, predominantly Telugu language films. Yeah. Uh, I come from, a, by the time I came to an age where I could go to the theater and watch films, we shifted back to Andhra, my native place. So in my uh, small town, there were only two cinemas. Mm-hmm. Um, and even the new films wouldn't release there. It was the only old films that would come oh, right. there. So uh, I was used to uh, seeing Telugu films. Uh, Maya Bazaar was... My, as a young kid, was one of my all-time favorite. Even today, it's yeah. one of my favorite films. And uh, 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 later on, uh, in a town called Rajmandri, about uh, six, seven miles away from my town, 
the action english action movies uh, would be played so i would go there and uh, watch uh, english movies for a long time i thought all english movies are action films <laughs> because only action films would right. uh, uh, would play in those theaters what were some of those english language movies that you loved uh, the uh, the first movies that i have seen there are the superhero movies uh, uh, but the film that made a big impact on me was the raiders of the lost ark yes. that, uh, that's the film my i asked my mom uh, we used to get only one one movie a month mm-hmm. uh, so we had to be very uh, careful pick and choose on which films we choose uh, but for writers of last arc I, i begged my mom to take me again and again well yeah. i had read that you were also exposed at an early age to some very older classic movies like city lights chaplin and yeah. uh, i think maybe some keaton i know our hospitality yeah. inspired yeah. Yeah. one of your movies later on where were those coming from uh, so uh, after my schooling in my native place i went to do my uh, college in uh, in a, a little bit bigger town called eluru so in eluru uh, uh, again even up until that point of time i thought all english movies were action movies really? so so there was a i read in the paper uh, they used to be listing not the posters just the listing yeah. of the theaters and the uh, screens and the uh, uh, shows so it was listed in a theater called vishashanti uh, the film city lights was yes. listed i thought city lights sounded like an action yeah. film so <laughs> i went there bought the ticket and uh, went inside and i was so disappointed that it was a black and white movie right. no no uh, no dialogue and so disappointed but within 10 minutes i was I was drawn into the movie that's one of the first movies I remember crying openly in the in the theater yes uh but somehow that's the only chaplin movie I saw until ah. <laughs> now but but I think I saw the best movie yes and, uh, I think I, so I love that uh movie uh, so let me ask you I had read you know cuz so many of your movies have involved action and um adventure and all of that and i you know it, some people describe rrr as a almost like a mini kind of avengers where you've got these two heroes that come together so before we even talk about rrr though i want to go back the idea of the hero and or superhero doing amazing things you were also into comic books right huge yeah <laughs> so uh, let me go back a, a sure. little um my mom uh, uh was a housewife like i told you and she's uneducated at that point of time uh, in our society the only way that someone can make a good living was by becoming either an engineer or a doctor mm-hmm. there was no other choice uh, everyone in in my part of the country would understand that uh, so all in every family you would see kids are being pushed to study 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 somehow my mother thought it was uh, over exaggerated uh, and she's she always pushed me towards reading comics and story books and or just she would say go out and play she That's never great. ever told me to do my homework study your class books she never told me that so that that really put me into comics mm. and uh, amarchitra kada is a comic uh, it is not a comic strip 
like that we see here it is essentially all the stories of india let it be the epics let it be the folklore let it be the history mm-hmm. all uh, written beautifully illustrated beautifully and i was really into that from a very young age and you learn from that in a different just a different way of learning yes uh, uh that 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 was actually my education yeah uh and that also led me into the world of fantasy yes. so i used to daydream a lot yes uh and all my daydreams are about the the characters in the story books or the comics that i have read yeah and i would play my own stories in my head with those uh with those characters sometimes i am a part of those <laughs> that that fantasy a fantasy world yeah. and i really always like the idea of bringing different characters from different stories uh making them sit and i just like the idea of having two heroes together right uh well now this i this idea of you know people who daydream a lot sometimes people think they're not being serious they're not they don't have a plan they're just aimless yeah. but uh and i know there was some concern right i've read there was some concern what is what is Rajmouli going to do with his life? Yeah. And um I wonder if you can talk about it seems like you started as an apprentice and assistant for a number of different types of people in the film industry including your dad, right? Yeah. But um when was it what I guess what did you learn from those things uh, those experiences about what you did like and what you didn't like? Okay. Uh, to go a little bit back. Yeah. So uh during my very very young years my family was uh, very rich mm-hmm. they had lots of lots of lands and everything but all of them are like had the film craze they wanted to come and produce the movies uh, so in the in the in the process of trying to make movies they lost everything was this and, specifically Ar- ardangi this is a 1996 even before that. even before uh, ardangi was uh, much later okay. even before that okay uh, during 80s okay. uh, during 80s they lost uh, yeah. everything and and they were struggling to uh, uh, get their foothold in, mm-hmm. in the industry just to make a living sure so at that point of time i was into my teens and like you said i was really aimless doing nothing really <laughs> doing nothing so my father was really worried so he saw how being aimless or 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 not being very serious about life and doing something very uh, constructive uh, brought the uh, fortunes down of the family so he was always behind me saying you're wasting your time what do you want to do with your life and mm-hmm. i absolutely had no idea what to do with my life so and he was after me every day so I joined uh, a guitar class mm-hmm. learning guitar and he would come and say uh okay how many hours did you practice I would say one and a half two and he would ask me is that enough <laughs> is that would you do you think that would give you a living make you a living so I thought oh my god this is becoming too much and a, and one day I said I want to become a director mm-hmm. I had no idea of how to become a director but my dad took it seriously and he said to become a director you have to become an assistant director and to for someone to take you as an assistant director you should have something in you uh, uh you should bring something to the table and then he put me into an apprentice uh, in an editing editing room mm-hmm. so that's how my life started it with started with films now 
maybe this is a good time for me to ask you to, if you would explain for listeners, because the Indian film industry, and I only learned this myself recently, works very differently than any other that I know of, because within India, there are so many different languages and cultures and all of that. Um, So people, I think in America, they've heard of Bollywood. They think, all right, that's Indian cinema. But um, in fact, there are many other types. I guess Bollywood is primarily Hindi language, but you're you're speaking Telugu language, which has been called Tollywood. I don't know if you necessarily (laughs) like that phrase, but can you explain? Because they're really, it's it's not even just two types of cinema, right? Yeah. So uh, basically, India has many languages. We have many states. in almost all the states, the states are divided based on uh, languages, except uh, that Hindi is spoken in almost seven to eight states. But in the other states also, there are people who can speak Hindi. So Hindi is the biggest uh, language. And films that are made in Hindi uh, are usually referred as Bollywood. Um, So many people outside of India doesn't know know, uh, this. And whatever films that come out of India are usually referred as Bollywood films. Uh, Apart from Hindi film industry, there is also Telugu film industry, Tamil film industry, Malayalam film industry, Kannada film industry, Odisha, Bengali, Gujarati, Assamese, Punjabi. There there are so many uh, film industries who make uh, films in their language, catering to the audiences in in that state. So I come from uh, Telugu film, uh, Telugu film industry, and I make uh, films for I made films for Telugu people for a for a long time. Yes. And uh, at some point of my career, about 10, 10, 12 years back, I thought, no, this stories has the capabilities of uh, crossing over the borders and to reaching other people, and I started making efforts in dubbing the films that are made in Telugu into Tamil, Malayalam, Hindi and trying. Uh, after a couple of films, I found a big success with yeah. a film called Bahubali. Absolutely. Uh, and I'm going to ask you for sure about that because w- you have been credited as the person who sort of, they call it pan-Indian yeah. cinema, bringing all of these different industries uh-huh. together. And I know that's part of why they've had such great success. So I guess I want to go uh, back for a second, though, because we'll talk about how that all came about. But as your career was coming along, you did start working, I guess, as you know, we I mentioned that movie, Ar- Ardangi. Yeah. That was a learning moment for you, right? This is 1996? <laughs> yeah, 1996. It's a, it was huge. So uh, what happened was um, after we lost all our money in trying to make films and we started trying to get our uh, footholds back. My father started working as a story writer and he found success as a, uh, a story writer. My uh, brother, M.M. Kirwani, uh, found success as a, a music director. Um, but for my father, that notion of wanting to produce a movie was still there. So in 1996, uh, like you said, um, uh, he joined hands with another producer and uh, he co-produced a film called Ardhangi. He and his elder brother, my uncle, both of them directed the movie. My father put all the money he has earned 
up until that point uh, as part of his investment apart from giving the uh, story direction and all other services and uh, the film bombed horribly uh, uh, wrong it was a big disaster very big disaster now what happened was during the production of the movie for a period of 7 8 months because my father was directing this movie he couldn't earn money as a story writer and he put all the money he has earned into the movie so there was nothing left and the movie was a disaster we are not getting anything back and on top of that because he has become a director his regular producers who gave him work as a story writer felt a little bit odd to call him back to story writing uh, so they thought it is like degrading right after becoming a director coming back to story writing somehow they felt uh, it was degrading uh, we didn't feel like that way right? we felt story writing is higher than direction mm-hmm. but but so there was no work there was no money and we were living in a city uh, not a, a small town uh, we have to pay rent every month so that was the period of time i would say that that i really struggled not not just me my whole family really really struggled and we lo- learned a lot of lessons on how not to make a movie mm-hmm. how not to get into a project and is that also when you were starting to feel frustration yourself i know there you had written commercials and advertisements and even i think scripts for movies that got made by other people mm-hmm. but there you have no control when you're not the director of how those turn out yeah. so and i mean you'd seen with your father even when you do have control it's still yeah. not a guarantee yeah. but yeah. was I, I know there was essentially a, a moment where you start working on a TV serial. I guess maybe we would call it a soap opera in this country. Yeah. Um, Santi Nivasam, is that how? That's right, Santi Nivasam. And uh, so here you are, you're working for a producer, right? Raghavendra Rao. Yeah. Who ended up being an important person for you right yes yes what happened so uh, after working as an apprentice in many uh, departments uh, my father used to uh, come home and discuss the the stories that he was making with all our cousins and i used to give my inputs and my after few of those many of those uh, discussions he realized that i had a knack for uh, drama so he said uh, you come and join me work as in my work as my assistant so from the period from i think from 93 to 99 mm-hmm. uh, even through the dhangi days mm-hmm. uh, i worked as an assistant to him um my job in the in the in the story writing process predominantly had many assistants my job as an assistant was to create the action sequences and uh, and narrate them to the directors so my father we don't uh, we don't give scripts like here in america uh, we narrate the scripts to the director uh, there in india so my father used to narrate the story and when the action sequence come i step in and i narrate the action sequence and uh, so that's how used to how it used to go and the directors used to like my action sequences i used to feel thrilled and when the movie released i watched the action sequences and they were not the way i envisioned they were completely <laughs> different and not just once it happened multiple times yeah. and it happened even with raghavendra my my future mentor so i thought no this is 
this is not the way it's supposed to be. So if I have to get the thoughts in my mind exactly onto the screen, then I have to become a director. So during that period of time is that when I really seriously thought of taking direction as as my uh, profession. Uh, after At that time, we used to live in Chennai. Mm-hmm. Uh, the industry shifted from Chennai to uh, Hyderabad. It was in the process of shifting. And by 99, 99 I thought I, I have been under my father for a long time and I wouldn't get my name if I keep uh, working under him. They would always look at me as Vijayendra Prasad's son, but not as my own self. Mm-hmm. So I I went to Hyderabad to uh, to find my <laughs> find my path, mm-hmm. um, uh, and Raghavendra, Mr. Raghavendra gave me some chances to to make ad films. Uh, at the time, government of Andhra Pradesh was making few social awareness ads. He was appointed as the uh, creative uh, consultant and uh, a bunch of young kids uh, like us, we were making ads and that's how I made my first independent money as, mm-hmm. as an ad filmmaker. And that leads to eventually that serial. Yes, Shanti And you Masa. did a good enough job on that that, that uh, Mr. Raghavendra Rao says to you, yeah. I will support you making a film yourself. Yes. Uh, so, Santhri Vasam was a moderately successful uh, soap opera, but uh, he liked the uh, my work attitude. Uh, uh, he, li- he liked my hard work and he said uh, he wanted to produce a, a small film. And there were many directors, like like I'm, I was not the only option that he had. There were other directors. He was he was also producing many soap operas. Mm-hmm. Mine was not the most successful. Mm-hmm. There were other uh, directors who made successful uh, soap operas under him. But because he liked my hard work, he gave me the chance to direct uh, that that film. And that was student number one, yes. 2001, yes. which turns out to be critically successful, commercially successful, yeah. but not exactly what you want to be doing, right? Because you're the guy who wants to make an action movie. Yes. And that was the second movie yeah. that you now, having established yourself a little bit, yeah. you say with Samadri yeah. in 2003, two years later, yeah. that's what you're going to do. Yes. Uh, yeah. Student number one uh, was successful, but uh, didn't give me much name because... Uh, rightfully so. Uh, uh, I shouldn't be complaining because for me, I was trying to make the movie not for the audience. I was making the movie for the approval of my mentor. So I wanted him to like it. Mm-hmm. So I was following the notes to uh, to the uh, to the T, and uh, except for one or two action sequences, uh, which. I went away from the script, but other than that, I was just following the script that was okayed by him. And the film, even though the film was successful, uh, people couldn't find anything new mm-hmm. in the film. Uh, so I didn't get any uh, uh, name with it. Rightfully so. Mm-hmm. Rightfully so. So with Sim Hadri, is like I had, I could make the film that I wanted to make. And with that, we should say, this is your first time working with. Junior NTR. Second time. Student number one he had was, been in student number one too. Student number one also, he was the actor. And Sim Hadri was also, he was a hero. Wow. So how did you two first meet? Because this is, of course, for people who are listening, he's <laughs> going to be one of the stars of RRR yes. years later. Yeah. Um, uh, 
I mean, uh, uh, Raghavendra Rao had um, uh, a friend, uh, Mr. Ashwin, that both of them co-produced the movie, and uh, they had good relationship with uh, NTR's grandfather, who is a legend yeah. in Indian uh, in Telugu film industry, Telugu political industry. He was he was a legend, so they had a good relationship with him. And uh, uh, when Tarak, his grandson, was there, they wanted to. Uh, make a movie with him too so uh, here i was a new director a new actor a good story and they brought together they brought us together so and it was immediately you guys found you worked well together no no <laughs> <laughs> the first time i saw him he was 17 years old wow. 18 17 18 year, years old uh, he still didn't get his mustache properly <laughs> uh, he was a bit on the fatter side yeah, yeah. uh i thought oh my god is this my hero <laughs> <laughs> that was my first impression that i had right. uh, that i had and uh, i don't know what what kind of impression he had on me the first time we met probably he was expecting uh, raghavendra uh, raghavendra to direct the movie not his assistant right. I, I, i don't know uh, but uh, i think about about in the second schedule or something there was an emotional sequence which i was directing and he really really performed well i thought oh my god this guy can this he's guy got can it. act yeah. he's this guy can act uh, uh, it, it was a small production so when we went to switzerland to shoot couple of songs both of us were given one room <laughs> <laughs> so we used to uh, uh, so we bonded well yeah. uh, we bonded well but for me he he always looked like a young kid i i'm 10 years older than him yes so i had that kind of feeling uh, always and sure. he's a, he's a young kid well with samadri i one of the things i believe that you started doing on that film that you've since done often or always um uh, but you had not done before involved music And this goes back to the silent movie era where apparently to create a mood on the set they would have somebody playing the piano or sometimes the whole orchestra for you can you talk about what you did where you I guess had chanting voices different stuff going on mm-hmm. to create a mood I never knew that I never knew they used to do that in ah. the silent movie scene yeah. um yeah so um So when I made Simhadri, when I started creating the sequences, my um, my brother M M K, he said, for one of the particular sequences, he suggested a a folk song. Usually, that's not the kind of music you associate with a very violent action sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he played it out to me, and he said this would be nice. I thought, wow, that sounds great. Uh, imagining. the visuals along with the song mm-hmm. uh, felt great and uh, so we recorded that we recorded uh, that folk, folk song with the all the orchestra and when we were uh, playing uh, uh, in in bits and parts of that action sequences where i wanted the emotion emotion to be really uh, hyped up i used to play the uh, uh, play the music uh, for everyone to understand uh, the mood how i'm envisioning that really worked well and i used that technique many times in my yeah. later movies too amazing so uh, samadri turns out to be another well in this case a much bigger blockbuster right yeah. and 
of course, now, as in every industry in the world, then everybody wants to work with you, but to do the exact same kind of movie that's worked. (laughs) And the filmmaker says, no, I want to do something else. In your case, that meant the movie Sai, right? Uh, 2004, the next year, but it was totally different. Here you're, I guess, was that just a desire to show that you could do a lot, that you didn't want to be boxed in as... A certain yeah. kind of filmmaker? Yeah, I really didn't want to get boxed in. Uh, like you said, I had so many offers after Simhadri, everyone coming and saying, do in whichever way you want to, just make a movie with us. But I know I could see in the brackets, make another Simhadri the yes. way you want to. And I knew if I did it, I would be making another Simhadri and the next film would be even more pressure. I would be even more pressurized to make... Another movie like uh, Simhadri, I, I thought, no, no, I have to, in the beginning itself, I have to curtail myself from falling into the trap. So I said no to all the stars uh, uh, that, uh, that were approaching me, all the big producers that were approaching me. And I selected a, a young, budding uh, star uh, and I chose a subject which is completely Alien to everyone. I chose rugby, rugby as, yeah. as, a, as a as as a subject matter and and went ahead and made Sai. And now rugby was suddenly huge, right? And it, it, no, it, rugby no. was not uh, <laughs> not huge. And the Sai was not also a very successful film. It was a moderate yeah. uh, success, but the youngsters really uh, loved it. Loved it. Uh, uh, loved it. And actually, that made a, that that put me in a in a slightly different league from the other directors. There were other directors who were making big successful movies like Simhadri. But because I made Sai, so suddenly I was uh, seen as a guy who can make a mass masala uh, entertainer, uh, also uh, a youthful entertainer, which the college goods were, right. uh, uh, kids would love to. You have range. That's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, so... I think a big thing that you were building towards was eventually starting your own production company. Mm-hmm. You don't have to mm-hmm. take orders from anyone else at that point, right? <laughs> so in 2009, I believe, we get Vismathura Creations. This is yeah, your Vismathura Creations, yes. your, your company. Mm-hmm. And Magadira, the film in 2009, which I believe was your first time with the other actor who would then be in RRR, yeah. Ram Charan. Yeah. Um, this is a movie that deals with reincarnation, which I think is a subject that seems to really interest you. (laughs) Um, And it'll come up again in a moment with another film. But I guess because we did this with your other RR star, I have to ask you, how did you and Sharon find each other? Um, So after successes of Chhatrapati, Vikramarkudu, Yamadonga, uh, all the films, um, uh, Charan's father is a huge star, uh, uh, Chiranjeevi. So one day he asked me uh, and asked me whether I could direct Charan's debut film. I said, no, there is too much of expectation on Charan's debut film. Uh, I don't want to take that responsibility. I will direct Charan's second film. Mm. Uh, uh, so I wouldn't want to uh, do that. Uh, so his second film after his first film was a successful one Mm -hmm. for the second film um, uh, I was called again to help the project Mm -hmm. so I had that uh, a storyline for a long time my father had that storyline for a long time Uh, uh, one one man fighting against hundred people Uh, uh, so, so 
I narrated it to uh, uh, Charan's father mm-hmm. uh, and his uncle, who's a who's a producer. Charan was again like a young kid, like how NTR was at yes. student number one. He was, uh, yeah, he was a young kid. Um, uh, I, I narrated the story. Charan was listening, but I could see that he was uh, still not completely mature to understand all the nuances of story making, but he had beautiful eyes he had a very uh, uh, fantastic body and he has an earnestness around him where he would uh, uh, submit to the director's dream i could i could see that uh, i narrated the story they they like the story and we set up on uh, uh, making the film the most expensive film at that point of time uh, the budget exceeded the the norm of the market yeah. uh, uh, market and uh, uh, but it make it became a hugely hugely successful film well you've uh, with a number of these had a an unprecedented budget and then still been successful but do you get scared when you have so much riding on a movie when you have a giant budget is that intimidating or do you just find it uh empowering <laughs> Up until uh, uh, Magadira, um, even though I was uh, crossing the budget a little above the market, I was not really going really, really overboard. And uh, I always had the confidence in the in the action sequences, in the dramatic moments in the movie that I I somehow believed that they would uh, they would recover money. Uh, I never. Uh, of course see, a kind of uh, doubt will be there for for everyone mm-hmm. but mostly i was um, convinced that that the movie would make money for my producers so i was never scared it was neither empowering nor nor scary sure, sure. nor scary i thought this is how the film should be made but i always made the producers a part of uh, my conversation mm-hmm. it is not a one handed decision that i would take i would always tell my producers this is how i'm going to mm-hmm. uh, uh, approach this one and this might go cost a little bit more than what we usually assume are you okay with it only once i got the producers green signal that i then i i would go forward right so it always happened until magadira sure and then the one after that 3 years later uh I mentioned that you're interested in reincarnation. This is Iga, yeah. which translates to the fly, I believe, yeah. which uh, a murdered man is reborn, yeah. re- reincarnated as a housefly yeah. and wants revenge, yeah. which is a great idea. And, uh, a great and idea or a crazy idea a crazy from <laughs> which perspective you look at it. <laughs> right, right. Well, so that uh, – and then, of course, that leads us to the – the two movies that really changed, I think, the industry in India, changed your career, cha- made it possible for RRR and everything that's followed. And so uh, Bahubali, the beginning in 2015, first we should, I should ask you, was the plan, I guess you, you don't plan for there to be a multi-part movie, right? It was just going to be the one movie? Yes, uh, it is. Um, but I should say the the confidence a lot of confidence for me uh, to make uh, Bahubali mm-hmm. uh, came a bit of a bit of it came from Magadira success of Magadira, but a lot of it came f- from the success of Iga uh, Iga. So it was such a crazy idea, and uh, 
the producer had so much of confidence in the in the storyline that we spent a budget which was more than magdir mm. Mm. for such a small story and uh, we really worked up on it and the, when the film released and became huge success that gave me immense confidence in myself that the way i am thinking the way my dramatic sense is really really appealing to the people so i can really go forward with with any uh, exciting thought and i am in sync with the audience it seems that way and yeah. and your one of your dreams for years had been to do a big action war type movie was that partly because i know i i think you recently were one of the voters for the uh sight and sound list of the greatest movies of all time so i was looking at your list yeah. and i believe you included braveheart gladiator were these movies that made you want to make bahubali yes absolutely okay. ben hur uh, yes. uh starts with ben hur braveheart gladiator i would say ben hur and braveheart uh, to the maximum because i was so uh influenced uh, by the style of filmmaking by the scale by drama by the action epic action scenes by epic battle scenes huge huge uh, impact on me uh, that really inspired me to make magdira to a small extent and bahubali to a, a larger uh, extent and you certainly have in the first uh, bahubali film i mean these giant battle sequences thousands of extras epic in every way and it was a game changer right i mean broke all the box office records everywhere yeah. first telugu language film to win best feature at the national film awards which i think are basically the oscars of india yeah. and it was the beginning of what we were talking about earlier this pan indian yeah. movement of uh crossing yeah. languages and cultures was that the plan for that movie from the beginning were you saying with this movie I want to try to reach all of India or was it once you saw the finished product you thought let's this this might translate everywhere how did that all begin no that that was the plan from the onset okay. and it is it was not the time uh, uh it it started it started with magdira uh. in magdira i pressurized my producer i begged him i i i did everything that i could to just dub the film and release it in tamil too i really believed in the product mm. and he said no he had uh, for whatever reason mm. he said no and uh, we couldn't do it even though it's a hugely successful film in uh, in telugu it, it didn't go nowhere else outside uh, uh, outside uh, my states so from next film onwards i thought i will only team up with the producers who would believe that my stories right. can travel across and luckily with eager uh, that happened i had a producer who believed and we dubbed it into tamil malayalam uh, and released in karnataka also in, in straight telugu itself and did it and it did exceptionally well uh, not the biggest success of the year maybe but for the uh, for the budgets that the the people brought the product it it treated them like 7x 8x profits so uh, and i same with uh, ega i tried to take it to north of india but it was not successful there uh, i couldn't team up with good distributors at that time but few people in the industry saw ega and they were like oh my god what kind of film is this uh, so i i had made a name in few of the circles of the industry but the film was not successful in the north then when bahubali came 
I said, okay, I'm ready to make a film which is ready, is, is I believe, is going to transcend the boundaries. And from the onset, our thinking, and luckily I got a producer, Shobu, who also really believed in that, uh, in that, that it is, it is a pan-Indian film. And we put all our efforts, and this is the first time where the budget went really way out of the market, uh, <laughs> uh, market, uh, estimations how much in u.s dollars would you say it costs oh my god please don't ask me u.s dollars <laughs> i can't do the translation okay, no problem uh, at that point of time the biggest uh, movie uh, was 80 crores mm -hmm. magadira made 80 crores yeah uh, uh, in telugu yeah and uh, we for the first bahubali film the budget was 225 crores oh my god uh, so it's like three times the market yeah. uh, market value and still not scared for scary for you <laughs> okay. <laughs> so during uh, Bahubali one, we were so engrossed in the filmmaking. Yeah. There was not even a single hour to sit and think about what's happening. Right. What's right. happening. There were no Sundays. There were no holidays. Oh. We were working every day. We were going for one and a half call sheet, two call sheets. Like I was, we were working, slogging like, uh, like anything. And uh, uh, until the the day before the release, I'm still tweaking the shots, still wow. doing some corrections in the audio. So just before, I think 18 hours or 19 hours before the release of the movie, I was completely free. And that was the time when it hit me. <laughs> what if the film doesn't do well? <laughs> and And I had this producer who's my close friend yeah. who believed in me and put so much money into it. Yeah. What if it, and there is this star Prabhas who gave two years of his career, two and a half years of his career to my film. And if the film doesn't do well, I am morally obligated to these people. But what can I do? I, my, my career would self would, yeah. would take a uh, nosedive. Yeah. And what about these people? They believed in me. So I, I was really, really scared. But maybe part of the, th part of what makes you able to work even with, these kinds of consequences hovering over you is that you had been, as you said, you'd had money, you'd then lost all your money, mm -hmm. and you saw that while it might not be as fun to not have money as it is to have money, uh -huh. life goes on. Yeah. And maybe, maybe that's what, maybe you have to have that realization to be able to work without fear when you're dealing with a big budget. Um. Probably if I had uh, any semblance at that point of time, maybe I would have reflected on what happened in the earlier, uh, uh, earlier years of my life. Mm -hmm. But that 24 hours, my mind was completely, really refusing to, right. uh, refusing to uh, think right. normally or logically. Right. <laughs> the fear has really, really gripped my uh, heart at that time. And the initial talk for the film was bad. Really? It's a disaster. Bad buzz. Yeah, it's a bad buzz. In north of India, it was great buzz. In America, it was great. For the Indians in America, yeah. in Tamil Nadu, it was great. But the major market in my Telugu states, the talk was bad. A disaster, not just bad, it was a disaster. And yeah, few hours before the release of the movie and about two days after the release of the movie were one of the worst <laughs> days of my life. <laughs> well, let's go back for a second, though. Why was it important to you to make a film that could be a pan-Indian film? I mean, 
might sound obvious, but I just wonder what what about that was important to you? Two aspects. One aspect is like maybe both are same. Is like a, a storyteller is a very very greedy person, very greedy. He wants his story to be heard by the maximum number of uh, audiences. There is no doubt about it. Every storyteller is greedy, and I'm, I'm, I'm not no different. So taking the film to different audiences is uh, uh, the reason for, is that. And second thing is when you have a story, uh, uh, that story dictates whether to go big, whether to go really big, or whether to go to a very small tar- uh, target audience. So if you are not doing putting your effort to uh, to make the film the story reach the target audience, then you are not doing your job job right. Interesting. And so, of course, we all know that. Bahubali, as it turned out, was a huge success. I guess that creates the desire from a lot of people, maybe some pressure on you to make a sequel. Mm-hmm. Was that something that you were happy to do or was it something that you felt was a responsibility to fans? Would you have, if it was up to you, do you, you know, some people look at James Cameron, for instance, and they think, Come on, you must want to do things other than Avatar for the next 20 years. But he seems very happy. So I don't know. I guess other filmmakers, you know, don't like doing a lot of sequels because it prevents them from telling other stories. So what was your feeling when it when you realized, all right, I have a very successful movie. Now do I make a sequel or what do I do? No, uh, the difference here is it's not a sequel. Uh, it was sort of a prequel. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. It is one story. Yes. Uh, Bahubali 1 and 2 is one big story. Yes. Our initial idea was to make it in one film. Then uh, we realized it will be a like five hour movie. <laughs> we cannot do it. So we just split it into two parts. So, so it was all shot together or? Almost. Uh, really? If we had money, we would have shot okay. together. Uh, I would say we shot about... One twenty-five percent, twenty-five percent of the second yes. movie was shot when we were doing the first one oh. because if the scenes were in the same sets, right, uh, uh, same location, same setup, we shot those uh, scenes. I did. Our know. idea was to shoot the whole thing, but we didn't have so yeah, much yeah. money, so we shot. We completed the first part, so we had to do the second yeah. part. Uh, <laughs> uh, even the Bahubali one was very, very successful. Right. It still didn't get all the money that. To finish, yes. uh, finish yes. everything, and 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 it, it is a series, not a sequel. Right. So right. we had to uh, do the uh, finish the film, and we finished, and that became the the biggest yes. uh, uh, film in Indian industry. So I guess it's good that it, you didn't do it all at once, because now you yeah. <laughs> now you could even top that with the second. When you have made. Uh, and by the way, that also was hugely successful in America, right? $20 million yes. in America, I think, was a, a record. But you've said, quote, after Bahubali 2, the idea I was most excited about was a very simple one. What if we brought together two heroes? Uh, close quote. So, But also this idea of a divided country place, I wondered if, because I believe in 2014, your home state in India was essentially, I think the word they use is bifurcated, right? Um, And even though they speak the same language, both sides, same culture, food, a lot of things, 
Was that something that made you think also about, do you think that was on your mind also when you were mulling what to do next, maybe with an RRR? Was that a factor? A small factor. Yeah. Uh, I I mean, the bifurcation of the state itself was uh, not a painful one. Mm You can we can bifurcate a state, but nothing is going to change. The right. distance is not going to change. Right, right. The people are not going to change. The relationships are not going to change. Everything is. It's just a matter of thinking that it is two different states. But what uh, really troubled was in the process of bifurcating the states, the kind of angst and the kind of uh, uh, anger the people were spewing against each other really really troubled me and like for for a small period of time which part of the state we belong to became a major topic of discussion for everything mm-hmm. I, for 45 years at my age was 45 years we didn't even have this notion why is this suddenly coming up why are the people who my whom we thought as brothers and sisters are suddenly asking my regionality and and looking me as uh, looking at each other as as enemies uh, that that really made me feel bad mm-hmm. and there was nothing i could do uh, uh, nothing i could do just just watch right um, so so when when uh, the idea of rrr uh, came up my main idea was to like i said in the beginning of our conversation bringing the two heroes together was my actual idea and when i realized what if i can bring these two people one is from andhra one is from telangana region and if i could say these two people were uh, friends yes fiction it is completely fiction sure. it's a fictional word but yeah. it's my way of saying guys these two heroes we whom we look up to as demigods are friends right. if they can be friends if they can sacrifice their lives for each other right uh, we can also be the same right. so it's 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 great it's it's a very subtle way i don't think many of the people would have got it i i, I was not vocally uh, saying that is the reason why i was making it yeah. but it's almost for myself my sure, own solace no. that i was doing that's great that. well so just uh for anyone who has not seen the film yet or is just learning about it, RRR stands for Rise, Roar, Revolt, set in the 1920s before independence, based on two people who were absolutely lived and were Indian revolutionaries. But we have no knowledge that even though there's sort of gaps in the history, we don't know that they would have ever crossed paths, but that was your idea is to take these two yeah. heroic figures, as as you've said. The Hollywood Reporter, where I work, the review described it as, quote, the most evocative screen bromance since Butch and Sundance, close quote. Of course, Butch Cassidy, the Sundance kid. But um, I guess the other thing that we that is unusual, because, you know, we're sort of used to having, at least in recent years in Hollywood, movies where the superheroes come together. You know, we've got all the Marvel films leading up to the Avengers where they are coming together. But this was a very uncommon, maybe unprecedented thing in India. Was that because, I I think part of that may be because these two actors are now such big stars in India. Mm -hmm. And this we can understand in America too. Like often big, big, big stars don't 
want to work together or there's egos or whatever. Is that what made it so unusual in India that uh, you would get two big stars together in a movie? Yeah, a, a bit of it, definitely. Um, in Hindi film industry, there were many multi-starers. Hmm. Uh, for a long time, they still have uh, multi-starers. I used to... Uh, as a filmmaker, feel bad. Oh my God, they are making so many multi-stars. Why can't we? Right. Uh, why can't we um, make it? Um, yeah. When I got the uh, chance and uh, brought them uh, together, people were really thrilled. Uh, really, really thrilled that they they could see this two big iconic uh, stars coming together uh, uh, to play friends on the screen. They were really thrilled. And for you, was there any? convincing required to get these two actors who you'd worked with before, as we've said, you're good friends with them. I think they are good friends even with each other before this. Yes. But how did you present them with the idea of maybe doing a movie together? Um, I want to tell both of them at the same time. Uh, because <laughs> like you said, they're close friends. Yeah. If I tell uh, Tarek, uh, say, if I call Tarek and say, Tarek, I want to make a movie with you and Sharon, before I can talk to Sharon, I'm sure Tarak would call Sharon. Mm -hmm. Same thing would happen with Sharon. So, so I said, uh, okay, invited both of them to my uh, to my house. They came and they were surprised to see each other <laughs> at the house. And I said, okay, guys, see, here is the proposal. I want to make a film with casting both of you. I don't have the story, but but I like the idea. But if you like the idea, if you have no objections in in working together in my direction. Then we'll figure out what to do with it. They said, they immediately said, yes, uh, there's no, no doubt about it. We really uh, love to work with you together. Did that surprise you or did you expect that? Uh, I expected that. Yeah. I expected yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, but but I had to be sure. Sure. I had to be sure. I can't take things for granted. Right. So, yeah. so now with these two mega stars, can you explain just... Maybe is there any way to describe how big a star they each are in India right now? Um, how to say? People would put up 60-foot, 70-foot cutouts uh, on the day of the release, and they would garland uh, their, uh, their cutouts. They would take milk to the top of that 70-foot cutout and pour milk on top of the cutouts. And this happens in every town, every theater the film is uh, playing. And uh, the fans are really crazy. The The films open at 12 a.m. in the morning, 12 a.m. in the morning. And the first day the film will run continuously, show after show, show after show, in every, in every theater. People throng the uh, theaters. And... In, on the first day, you won't hear anything. You won't see anything because they'll be throwing confetti into the air. They'll be <laughs> shouting their lungs off and dancing on the on the ales. They're like they're like demigods. Yes, that's, that's how big they are. <laughs> wow. So, and this for you guys, I guess, because you have these two great stars, you're coming off the biggest hit in the history of Indian cinema. Uh, you get a $73 million U.S. budget, which would be how many now uh, in India? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the $73 million is correct or not, but in Indian rupees, yeah. it is 500 crore rupees. Okay, because we were just saying 240 <laughs> sounded massive before. Yeah. Now this is twice that. Yes. And uh, 320 days of shooting spread across from... November 2018 to August 2021, I guess, because of the pandemic, yeah. there were periods when you couldn't do it. But 
um, I guess when you were making this movie, did you feel like it was clicking all the way through or did you have to see the response from audiences to believe that it was going to be as huge as it has been? In other words, did you feel it was going really well or did you have to see evidence of that? Um, I mean, it, it is always like uh, for a filmmaker, uh, at least for me, it is like a doubt, a fear and confidence go hand in hand. They're like, uh, both of them are entwined uh, together. For a period of time, I'll be like, no, everything is going to be all right. We have fantastic uh, film on hand. It's, it's going to do well. And slowly the fear would take over saying, what if not? Uh, what if it doesn't? Uh, what happens then? And the fear grips your heart and takes over. And, and you go see a scene in the edit room, go for a mixing theater you see something playing and we think oh we had we have done a great thing no people are going to love it and the confidence come uh, comes over so it is like having the jugalbandi we call it uh, uh, jugalbandi having the fear and confidence yes. always play with uh, uh, each other yeah um, um yeah but most of the time uh, we felt not just me our whole unit yeah. uh, felt that we had a winner on our hands wow well so let's talk just about uh, some of the elements that people love about this movie so let's start with music you and i just both went back into a screening room <laughs> to watch specifically the natu natu sequence yeah. because you know better than anybody but i've learned people go nuts when they see this. I I loved it when I saw it, but now I want, this time I was half watching the screen and half watching the faces of everybody else because, uh, you know, it's just priceless to see it blow them away. This song and dance number, Natu Natu, which I believe translates to Native Native. And this is the song, of course, that just won the Golden Globe. Yeah. It is shortlisted for the Oscar. Um, as you said, it was composed by your cousin. I guess it was also shot in Kiev, Ukraine, yeah. Yeah. just months before the, the war there. So what, what we're seeing there is a place that's totally different now. So I'm sure that's that's bittersweet. But when, I guess, when you heard the song for the first time or when you saw some of the choreography, or you know, which I'm sure you were a part of shaping, but could you ever have imagined that this would be the kind of phenomenon that it has become. Just the song, for, I mean, the movie is, of course, a phenomenon too, but this song has got millions of views on YouTube. There are people trying to do the dances. Uh, people, you go to movie theaters, not only in India, but all around the world, even in Hollywood, where we're all cynical and whatever, and people are dancing in the aisles. Would you ever have predicted that? When we uh, completed this song, it was, uh, for us, the composer the lyricist and the singer are different. I, I seen uh, in the West many times, all three are uh, one single artist, but we are, we are, we have different. And uh, Mr. Chandra Bose is the lyricist. Uh, I explained him the situation. He came up with the, uh, with the lyrics. Um, I thought it was nice. And uh, when the programming was done, uh, the composing and the programming was done and we had the finished product of the song, I thought, okay, this is quite a, 
foot tapping number. Then I had my choreographer, Prem Rakshit, who worked with me for many films, many years. Uh, he started composing the steps and uh, he he composed almost more than 100 variations uh, for two, three signature steps of Natu Natu. Uh, I thought it was it was good. It is falling into place. It was it was falling into place, and uh, the actors practiced for a week. And we went to Kiev. It was the last leg of the shooting. We had to complete it. Um, uh, so and as as it started playing, as they were dancing, as I was seeing in the monitor, as it started uh, forming, taking shape, the confidence in me started increasing. Uh, it was. By the end of that schedule, I remember we were so full of joy that we had a beautiful song mm -hmm. uh, in our hand. We came back home, we edited it, and the rest of the unit saw the film and they said, this is going to blow uh, uh, blow the minds of the audiences. Yes. yes. Then, uh, I think in December, we released, the, November or December, we released the promo uh, of yes. the song, the release of the song, and it... And it like uh, uh, it, it was a rage. Yes. It was a raging success, and thousands and thousands of people were making reels, yes. short reels on all the uh, social platforms yes. and posting it. And it's a and the, our distributors were saying, "You don't even need to release the trailer of the movie. Right. You just release <laughs> this enough." Uh, this right, enough. right. So it was so successful. Uh, we were so happy, and the result was what we expected. Yes. Then when it released in the West, and uh, last October or September, uh, when I came here and I came to the uh, uh, TCL IMAX theater in Los Angeles and and saw, well, there was huge response for the whole film. But when the song started playing, when I saw the Americans coming onto the stage and uh, uh, dancing, uh, one of my uh, best moments in my uh, film career and again, uh, the last week when it happened again, now there are more people coming into onto the stage and dancing. It's amazing. It, it's, it's amazing. Yes. One of the other things that people are just blown away by are the visual effects. You guys, especially, you know, let's give as one example the the scene right before the interval where all these animals are unleashed on people at a party. Mm -hmm. You've got tigers. You've got every kind of animal you can imagine. It looks so real and scary and unbelievable. Um, also, of course, earlier with the tiger, I think it was, yeah, with uh, just a man being chased by a tiger. This is some mind-blowing stuff. And I, I guess I wonder for you, are you very technical? Like, do you understand and get into the process of creating all of the uh, previs pre stuff and effects or is it something where you have a team that you trust and you say this is what I want mm -hmm. go make it happen yeah. um, there are different layers uh, uh, in visual effects uh, uh, making a movie which is uh, which has a lot to do with visual effects uh, obviously like you said it is very very important to get the right people 
um luckily for this film i have uh, srinivas mohan who is who is a terrific guy and has a lot of knowledge about visual effects for me i know all the basic things uh and i know that it is very important to get the basics right even though you can do a lot of things uh in the in the post in the in the process but it makes the life of everyone very easy if the basics are uh, uh are we get the basics right so i put in a lot of effort my unit puts in a lot of effort to get all the uh, uh all the things that that the instructions that are coming from the visual supervisor or the or the studio we follow all those things to the t we as a unit make a good job with it but if all the animals are looking good if the animations are looking good the lighting the fur the muzzle movement there are many many intricate details which i am not well versed with but i trust my visual effects sure. supervisor to do a good job and the stuff though it requires just as much work from you in real life on the set because you said the the where the animals are unleashed we're talking about was it like 40 days or something i read 45 nights yes. 45 nights <laughs> and and just for that mm-hmm. not just but you know like for mm-hmm. that sequence to make it the kind of show stopping thing that it is you had that much without any real animals just it was crazy right absolutely crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, but it it was one of the most satisfying sequences at the end of the oh, totally. uh, end of the day uh, there were so many aspects uh, of filming uh, that need to be invented for that for that thing i wanted the water to fly around like like the snakes on yes. medusa's head uh, uh, the art department did so many trials for a week to get it right. exactly right flying horses uh, uh, <laughs> everywhere and i wanted the smoke to be coming fire smoke filling up the uh, frames and how do people okay we will add uh, animals in the post but for the actors who are performing there how do they know that such and such an animal traveling at such and such a speed and how do they react uh, to that without knowing that and how do all of them react in a sync now if i imagine you are sitting here i am yes. sitting here i would imagine you to uh, uh, imagine a, a dog is jumping from right. here to here right. i will ask you to look if both of us has to look you will look at a different speed i will look at a different speed how the how would the animator know where to put it That's and if he matches it for my look you will be looking somewhere the right. dog is here and you will be looking there right, right. and uh, uh, that wouldn't work no. so we had to come out with so many innovative ways of uh, uh, overcoming this hurdles uh, uh, really really uh, feel proud of It's making amazing. that sequence absolutely amazing um so just the last few things if i can i just i want to ask you what it's been like you've had great success in india you've had great success even internationally like we said 20 million dollars with bahubali 2 but this is like a different level yes and i wonder i know it's happened in phases there was the initial release in india there was the release in america then there was the netflix uh, explosion now it's back in theaters but what has it been like for you to see your work received so 
tremendously in a way that's never really happened for an Indian film before. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's sad, right? Never happened for an Indian film. <laughs> I don't feel uh, proud of that. Uh, but I certainly feel proud of uh, this film making inroads into uh, into other uh, countries and other people. Uh, uh, for Japan, for example, mm-hmm. is, is is doing extremely well, still doing extremely well. There is so much of demand from the people of Japan that IMAX is releasing again and again. Oh and is uh, giving theaters again and again for the film. Uh, obviously, it, it, it feels uh, very, very happy. But I think everything comes from one of the points that we discussed. A story demands that it has to reach certain number of audiences and if we don't put all our efforts to do that then we are not doing the uh, doing our job right it, i feel like we are doing injustice to mm-hmm. the story uh, the story tells us that i still have legs yes you give me a push yes uh, uh, so uh, that's what that's what we do and we'll also note you won personally the new york film critic circle award for best director yeah we said not to not to won the original song Golden Globe, shortlisted for the Oscar. The film is nominated at the Critics Choice Awards, which will happen tomorrow yeah. for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Song, Best Visual Effects, Best Foreign Language Film. There are very few yeah. films that have ever had yeah. all of those nominations. Um, so that's the happy part of the question I'm going to ask you. The other, <laughs> the other part of the question I have to ask, and I, I am really curious to hear what what you make of this is, you know, India has over the years had a lot of very good films. Many of them you made, but others, you know, I remember The Lunchbox nine years ago, people thought if India submits this film for the international feature, it was then called Best Foreign Language Film, it will win. Yeah. And then they didn't submit it. Yeah. And this year or this season, um, I'm sure very frustratingly for you and certainly for all your fans, you have one of the greatest hits of the year anywhere with RRR and they didn't submit it. Now, that's no disrespect to the film that they did submit, but I just wonder for you if you can explain, is there a is there something about the process with how they pick films to submit for the Oscars that would be causing them to kind of misunderstand what might play best with the academy uh, and a primarily international, you know, largely outside of India organization. Um, Just when you got that news, I imagine it was frustrating, disappointing. So I just wonder if you can talk about that. Um, Yeah, it is uh, 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 disappointing, but uh, we are not the kind of people who would sit and brood on why it didn't happen, what has happened has happened and we should go forward with it. But I, I'm happy because it's also an Indian film and uh, it it has also uh, has been shortlisted for Oscars. Yes, the so last I'm, film I'm quite, show, yeah. I'm, I'm quite happy, uh, I'm quite happy for it. Um, uh, of course, everyone knew RRR had much uh, bigger chance. Here everyone felt RRR had a, had a bigger chance. But I don't know how uh, the committee, uh, what are the guidelines for the committee, how they uh, do this stuff. So I don't know that and I can't comment on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, for me, what I really feel bad is for Lunchbox. Uh, yeah. For me, 
I don't make films for critical acclaim. I make films for money. I I, I make uh, the films for audiences. Mm-hmm. It's a commercial film, and once my film does commercially well, I'm very happy with it. And uh, awards are an extension to mm-hmm. it. It is uh, it is for for the hard work, but my unit put in. I'll be happy for that. Uh, uh, but for lunchbox, it is different. It is different. It it would have been a great uh, achievement for India, and it's not just for lunchbox. It for it is like many many filmmakers, many many film uh, uh, films would find encouragement uh, to to tell their stories to the to the world. So it is a huge opportunity lost. I feel very bad for that. For that, from from nine years ago, that one, and maybe this will cause them to reconsider the process because hopefully. But uh, in another way, it also forces people who love your movie in America and in the Academy yeah. to. You just have to recognize it in other categories. Then that's which <laughs> that is a, a good thing. Keeping my fingers crossed, yeah. hoping for that. So, last question is, what can we expect from you next? I know that you signed with. CAA recently. Yeah. I wondered if that means maybe we'll see more work, maybe even in our country, in our language here. But I also know that you're very passionate about continuing to tell Indian stories. So I don't know what that means. Are we going to see, um, you know, the same way we talked about Bahubali, even though now I've learned that it was always going to be yeah. uh, more than just that, mm-hmm. that what we saw in the first one. I imagine there's just an incredible demand for more of these characters. Um, so just uh, what is next for you? Um, I mean, I, I already announced my my film much before uh, uh, the success uh, of RRR in the West. I announced my film with uh, Mahesh Babu long back. It's, it's almost 10 years. It's a pending project since 10 years. So I announced that a project. I'm in the process of writing it. It's a global uh, global adventure. Um, so there are many ways the film can be made. Uh, like you said, I signed it with the CAA and, and they are putting me with some very good people who understand world cinema, who has passion towards uh, films. Uh, uh, I'm quite happy meeting a lot of them, talking with uh, a lot of them. Uh, but but in one of the conversation we we talked about the way of filmmaking in india is quite different from uh making films in uh in us mm-hmm. um yeah there is still some time to figure out how to do what to do but but i'll always believe i have to choose a path which is best for the story mm-hmm. not best for me not best for the producer not best for the actor but the story will demand and tell me how to go forward I and, believe that, and and there will be more RRR. Yes, uh, uh, when I made RRR initial in the initial days of success, like like any of us, when you find a success, we look at ideas of how to take it forward. We bounced off uh, some uh, good ideas, me, my cousin, and my father, uh, but none of them were like really compelling. We left it at that. And uh, last time when I came to U.S. after seeing the uh, uh, response here, I was so elated and I went back and I said, uh, can we look at it again? And suddenly my cousin came up with an uh, an idea which I thought was like, wow, this is great. Uh, this is great. And I immediately asked my father to, uh, to expand it, to elaborate it. Uh, he's in the process of uh, writing it. 
but it has to be written first it has to be completely written first then we will look at it and see how it goes forward that's very exciting well congratulations and thank you so much for taking the time to do this very honored to have you it's my pleasure scott thanks for having me here and a big hi to all your listeners Thanks for listening to Awards Chatter. We really appreciate it and would really appreciate you taking just a minute more to subscribe to the podcast and to leave us a rating and review on your podcast app. And to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, where our handle is at Awards Chatter. On those platforms, we announce upcoming guests and provide details about special live recordings of the podcast that you can attend. Until next time, thanks again for tuning in.